Hey, hey, so glad you're here. Well, here we go. This week's episode, season two, episode two, it is filled with nuggets of truth. Oh, you're going to love it. Oh, before you start, start viewing this, go ahead and open up to John chapter one, verses 43 through 51. Read that little text because it will provide a little bit of context for Nathaniel, who is coming on board as one of Jesus' followers. And we will also be introduced to Philip, who is so much like Jesus already. You're going to love him. And some of the themes that this episode will cover will be an ancient prophecy that one day we will lay down all our weapons because of worldwide peace. Yeah, look forward to that one. Another one, praising God even when dreams are dashed. Another theme, making time for friends. Jesus says, if you don't make time for friends, you won't have any. Another theme, how our time on earth is rearranged once we start following Jesus. We don't lose it, really. We just get it rearranged. But I tell you what really struck me as I was watching this episode, I think for the fourth time, was this conversation between Matthew and Philip, and then later on, it'll be between Matthew and Peter. With Matthew having a former life as a despised tax collector, friendship and acceptance never really found him. That rejection even followed Matthew into his exchanges with some of Jesus' other disciples. Matthew left his former way of life, but there were still those who only saw him as a betraying cheater. And Philip has a great line. Look at this. Philip says to Matthew, people want to define others by their past. They are the sleepers, but we are awake. And Matthew can see his wheels turning. He's trying, it's too abstract. He wants things more concrete. He's, everything's in riddles. He's trying, but I'm telling you what, there is such a great truth here. Until Jesus comes in, until we start following him, we are asleep to the truth about ourselves. We listen to what others think and say or what we have fed ourselves. And so we kind of lull ourselves into this lie about who we are and why we're here. But Jesus wakes us up to who we are and why we're here. Matthew starts waking up to this later in the episode and Peter comes up to him with criticism and Matthew's response leaves Peter speechless. Matthew says, people out there want to define us by our past, but we do things differently because of him. You can just see Matthew starting to get it. Peter, that's who I used to be. That's my former life, but that's not who I am anymore. This is a vital truth that we have to embrace and live, but it can be so elusive if we hang on to our past. In some communities in Italy, there is an annual custom, interesting, Late on New Year's Eve, the streets are bare, no pedestrians, no policemen, but at the stroke of midnight, the windows fly open and the sound of laughter and music and fireworks explodes and each family 
pitches out old crockery or uh, detested ornaments or hated furniture, all sorts of personal possessions which remind them of something in the past year that they are determined to put out of their minds. Interesting custom, isn't it? You can see this theme and exhortation even all through the scripture. You go all the way back in the ancient documents, Moses leading the children of Israel. They come up to the Red Sea, pick up the text. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Move on. They're in your past. Isaiah picks up the theme. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Paul the Apostle will say to the young church plant in Philippi, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. He'll say the same thing to the church plant over in Ephesus. Look what he says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's now to be out with the old and in with the new. It's seen in the 16th century commander named Cortes, who ordered his ships to be sent back into the sea while he and his men watched them burn. Why? Because there would not be an option in retreating. When things got tough, that wasn't in a way out. We've all had former ways of living that Jesus has called us to leave behind. And following him will prove infinitely more difficult if we hold on to our past. Because we can't look at two places at once. We can't look backward and forward at the same time. The past is over. The past is done. It's unchangeable. It can be forgotten. It's time to move on. If we choose to dwell and wallow in our mistakes, we run the risk of ruining our future effectiveness. David Guzik said, we often let those things which are behind distract us, whether they be good things or bad things. We may let them keep us from what God has in front of us. I grew up singing an old hymn called Pressing On. In one of the stanzas it says, My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Some may dwell where these abound, but my prayer, my aim, is higher ground. Have you made plans to leave doubt and fear and failure behind? Maybe it has to do with a person or people in your life. Steve Miraboli wrote, letting go means to come to the realization that some people are a part of your history, but not a part of your destiny. And look how Mary Morrissey picks up that line. Even though you may want to move forward in your life, you may have one foot on the brakes. In order to be free, 
We must learn how to let go, release the hurt, release the fear, refuse to entertain your old pain. The energy it takes to hang on to the past is holding you back from a new life. What is it you would let go of today? Wow, good question. I love the way one preacher put it. The only way to overcome your condition is to know your position. <laughs> That'll preach. Do we need to be reminded of where we are in Christ? You guys think about the Apostle Paul, follower of Christ, who was once Saul of Tarsus, murderer of Christ's followers. If he could leave his past condition, it only was because he knew his current position. Look what he wrote. Don't you know this gave him excitement when he wrote this, knowing how directly it applied to his life? He said to the Ephesian church plant, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's a man who has left his prior condition and has come to assume his position. Look what it says from the New Century Version. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. Now, we don't realize them all yet, but they're ours. And I love the passion paraphrase. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus. You guys, the times of sleeping, they're over. The times of sleeping through this life because of the lies that we have been entertaining about our false sense of identity. It's time to wake up from all that. We are no longer defined by our past. We are now awake to who Jesus says we are. We have been moved from death to life. Jesus has rewritten our story. Our names are registered in heaven. This. This is our testimony.